the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Usually I start with some initial opening thoughts in a monologue, but I wanted to take advantage of uh, this great guest we have in town who is here in Phoenix, an old and dear friend. Uh, If you read the Wall Street Journal, if you watch Fox News, or if you even appreciated what were known as the Trump tax cuts, you know who this man is. He is Steve Moore, an economist with FreedomWorks. And he has been in Phoenix doing a few different things. Steve, welcome to uh, the land of the sun. Welcome to freedom. Although, uh, uh, you know, we hope <laughs> we hope uh, back on the East Coast, maybe they'll listen more to what's going on in Arizona. We're trying to make some voices louder here in Arizona. It's great to have you back here, sir. Sap, good to see you. Good to see you last night. We had yes. Last night, uh, and with a group of people, I'm here in part to help. My good friend, somebody I've worked with for 15, 20 years in, in policy, and, uh, and that's Karen uh, Taylor Lapson, who is running for the governor of this great state. And, um, you know, I'm doing anything I can to help her because I think she's just a, she's a superstar. You, you and I are in total agreement state. on that. We, I, I don't know if <laughs> we've ever actually taxes. disagreed on anything, <laughs> but we're in yeah, total Yeah, taxes, lots of regulation, you know, uh, get, get the, the schools. She's for really, you know, more and more parental choice in, in education. It's, a, it's an awesome agenda. But I got to tell you, you know, I came, I flew here from I'll say, Thursday morning, you know, beat this big East Coast snowstorm, and I don't think I want to go back. <laughs> well, <laughs> Can I just stay here? And we're, we're happy it's to so have beautiful. you. We're happy to have you. You have helped Arizona on a lot of fronts. It's, this is not like, uh, this is not a new well, you state know, helped, for you. Uh, yeah. you know, I helped Doug Ducey when, you know, he put his plan together. Uh, and I'm proud of you guys. You got the two and a half percent flat tax. Yep. Now. That's an incredible accomplishment. Now you're one of the, the great 10 states. You know, there are nine states that have no income tax. And then Arizona is the 10th lowest tax rate state with income tax at two and a half percent. And we got to keep that in place. Yeah, I mean, in other words, I know there's a big push by some of these liberal groups to, you know, make it fair, you know, make it fair by raising the rates. That's only going to hurt the economy, hurt the lowest income people. So uh, it's a great state. It's a, it, we rake, um, you know, I knew I do a report, as you know, stuff every year for this group, ALEC, mm-hmm. which is a group of about 3,000 state legislators. And we rank uh, Arizona, I think, five or six in the country in terms of, you know, your policy. So you got you got a lot of you're not perfect. <laughs> but you've got a lot of stuff going. For no, you. we and have. Yeah, no, we have not improvements to make. Sometimes. We have improvements to make, yeah. which is why you and I are such fans of uh, Karen Robeson. Yeah. Uh, and for people that may uh, be, you know, hearing your name familiarly, a lot of a lot of people send me an email you put out every day and it's funny because i'm a subscriber anyway but committee to unleash prosperity which is hugely helpful uh, say something more steve Moore, if you will about this quest for making taxes and more fair talk, talk to us about that because you know i grew up under on jack kemp's lap and and of course uh, you worked a lot with jack i always thought it was our vision of tax reform that was making things more fair right you talk to us about that well- yeah, well, first of all, let me just say thank you for name uh, for uh, for uh, bringing up my uh, the hotline I put out every morning. You bet. And, and uh, we, uh, if anybody wants to get that, it's 
three. And I know I know Joe Biden says his four trillion dollars plan is free. This really is free. This That's truly it. is <laughs> free. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. And in fact, so if you pay attention to it, it will end up saving us money. Yes. <laughs> and I was I was going to say it pays for itself. Yeah. <laughs> It'll save us money. You bet. But uh, it's uh, if people want to get it, just go to Committee to Unleash Prosperity, the website, just, and then you just push button, give us your email, and we'll get it to you five mornings a week. And I was really honored last week. Uh, Newt Gingrich called me and said, Steve, I read this thing every morning. So that's the thing I've got on politics. So it really you is. Might, you might enjoy it, folks, and we will send it to you for free. You bet. But uh, what was your question? Well, it was about this quest that, the, the, you know, the opponents, we seem to have to have oh, this battle the all the time. Yeah. Fairness. You know, fairness. <laughs> right. Yeah. So... You know, the fairest tax is the tax that grows the economy. Yeah. Just, you know, that's what Jack Kemp taught you and me and the country. And Reagan picked it up. And, of course, he was the great, you know, apostle of supply-side economics. And, um, you know, we cut the rates and we got more revenue. The economy boomed. And then Trump picked it up. You know, I, I was amazed. My first meeting with Donald Trump back in very early 2016 when he was just getting started running. And, you know, he loved the idea. You know, we, we get – and he looked at it as a competitiveness thing. He said, look – why is the United States of America the land of the free? Why do we have the highest tax on businesses in the world, practically? That doesn't make any sense. And so uh, we cut those uh, taxes under Trump. And I'm very proud of this. We we saw big, huge gains in the economy and, and wage gains. For so Did you know, I thought this is something that's kind of amazing. I bet a lot of your listeners will be surprised by this. But the group that benefited the most from Trump's economic policies were blacks and Hispanics. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. They had the right. biggest gains in uh, in income, and they had the biggest decline. We had the lowest poverty rate in the history of the United States for blacks and Latinos under Trump. And then the left went around talking, he's a racist, he's a racist. Or, 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 or dismissed by our Speaker of the House as crumbs, people going after crumbs. They, they weren't crumbs. Right, exactly. They weren't crumbs. Steve yeah. Moore. People get, used to come up to me, by the way. People would say, you know, uh, gee, I got uh, $2,200 off my taxes. Does Nancy Pelosi really think that's, that's crumbs? Well, he must be really rich. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes and yes. <laughs> yes and yes. <laughs> Steve, give it, talk to us about Arizona. If, if you've been working with Karen Taylor Robeson on, on, yeah. on an economic plan, and I know you, the way you work, the way I work, we're holistic. It's not just one thing. You mentioned education. That's a part, part and parcel of it. But tell us what we, we could look forward to. Uh, if uh, if Karen were to become governor and, and what kind of uh, economic advice you're giving. Well, it's funny, last night at this dinner we were chatting because Karen was with us and, and uh, some, somebody said to you, know, what is your theme of your, what, what are you you know running for? And she said, well, what, or what do you want people to know about you? She said, I want to defend life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I said, you know, Karen, that's a really good answer. Yeah. You know, that's what it's all about, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so... Uh, you know, but she wants to get, uh, you know, deregulate. She wants to uh, get, she'd like to try to see if we could get rid of the income tax entirely. You know, if you get it down to 2.5%, you might as well just, at that point, just get rid of it. Because, you know, the cost of just, compi- you know, uh, filing the taxes. I mean, imagine for a minute if, you, if you're a businessman or woman and you don't have to file a return. You know, you just, all the taxes are paid through either through your property taxes or your, you know, what your sales tax. And, and, and people are saying, well, that's impossible. It'll never work. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. It works in Florida. It works in Texas. It works in Tennessee. It works in Nevada. Why couldn't it work? In, and by the way, Arizona is a, is a big tourist state. Uh, and so, you know, then you get to tax the people come into the state, not necessarily the people who live here. That's what Florida does. 
and it works out very well. So, you know, I, I don't know if she's going to be another Ron DeSantis, who I think is a <laughs> amazing governor, but I think she's in that mold. And, uh, you know, we've got to keep it going. And the other thing is, I mean, don't hand this state back over to the Democrats because we're seeing what's happening in Washington right now. And it is just, I, I am so appalled, Seth. I never thought I would see the day when we start massive spending, massive increases of regulation, massive increase in the debt. You know, I went to the grocery store on Wednesday with my wife before you know I came out here. There, there was no, there, people talk about inflation. Not only was there inflation, there was no milk. Yeah. <laughs> there were no eggs. Yeah. And, you know, some service stations now can't get gas yeah. to the stations. I mean, it's, it's a real crisis. And it's because we have an anti-business president. Steve, a question that will naturally occur to people is, okay, we get rid of the income tax. I'm hearing more say that, uh, okay, maybe we do it through rising property taxes and sales taxes. Do homeowners have to worry about something like that, their property taxes going, uh, becoming more, more difficult to pay or higher? Well, the other thing we do is we, um, you know, Arizona is running a big surplus right now because the federal government gave all this money. So instead of spending it, why not use it to cut taxes? Oh. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, because uh, if you spend it, then you're just building up, you know, problems in the future. So, uh, you know, I, I think getting it to zero would be a great thing. Karen says that's her, her goal. I don't know if we're going to be able to get that done, but I guarantee you one thing about Karen, she's not going to raise the taxes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, a lot of the politicians, I mean, Biden wants to take our taxes, by the way, to the highest. He wants to take us back up to the highest uh, tax on small businesses in, in the world. Steve, there. No, 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 I I, know. And and what I don't think people understand fully or fully appreciate. uh, And we had to learn this when we were going through the flat tax debate in the mid 90s, I suppose, when Steve Forbes resurrected it, of course, with your help, (laughs) uh, was that though the taxes may go up on property, you have a net net savings by a reduction on the income exactly. side. Can I, pa- can I pause you? I have to take a commercial break real quick. Um, I know sure. y- you're pressed on time, but I will get you out in time. I want to talk sure. to you about the national scene as well and what we're seeing with inflation, what we're seeing with those empty shelves. If we can talk a little bit about that on the other side, I'd love your analysis on that. Okay. I am Seth Leibson. He is Steve Moore. And, you know, I should have mentioned, too, he's a radio host as well. He has, uh, he has his own weekend show in uh, – in New York City. I'm Seth Leibson. He's Steve Moore. We'll talk about his views on the national economic scene when we come back, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. It's a delight and privilege to have my good friend Stephen Moore joining us. Steve is uh, with the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. He is an economist for Freedom Works. He's in town helping uh, Karen Taylor Robeson's campaign for governor to help her on the economic front do for Arizona what he helped Donald Trump do for the economy of the United States. If you want to learn more about Karen, her website is karen4az.com. Uh, Steve, uh, talk to me a little bit about the national scene right now. People are talking a lot about inflation. People are feeling a lot of inflation. What's causing it? What's the way out? Well, first of all, let's just talk broadly about the economy. I I think it's, you know, it's a little bit precarious right now, frankly. I mean, the last uh, year was a good year for, for the most part for the economy, except for the inflation. Now you're seeing inflation and you're also seeing signs of economy slowing down as well that's a that's a bad that's a witch's brew of bad economics and so 
Uh, and by the way, the stock market is really, this was the worst week for the stock market in, in many, many months. So I'm a little worried um, about where we're at. I don't see where the growth is going to come from. And, you know, people ask me, you know, what, what has Biden done right on the economy? And I'm hard-pressed I'm hard pressed to see anything that has really been beneficial. You know, we have uh, a war on American energy. <laughs> We're producing two million fewer barrels of oil than we used to. And that's, you know, at a time when the price of oil is now $85, $90 a barrel. That's just money down the, literally down the drain. And then we've got, uh, you know, the, the, this Bill Back Better bill, which, you know, how long? You and I have been in this game a long time. Right? You longer <laughs> than me. <laughs> no, let's not get you longer than me. You're younger. Yes. In the Reagan year. <laughs> yeah. And um, but that, so that, that would be 35 years, if my math is right, 36 yes. years. Yes. So this that Build Back Better bill was atrocious. And by the way, congratulations to. Kirsten Cinema, yep. she did a great service to the country, yep. as well as Joe uh, Manchin in West bet. Virginia. I mean, they you say bet. if that bill had passed, literally, and I, you know, I, I literally, not to literally, all of the gains we've made as conservatives, not just during the Trump administration, but, but dating back to Reagan, it, you know, would have been uh, eliminated. They got rid of all the work requirements. They created 25 new, you know, uh, welfare entitlement programs. They were going to double the size of the IRS. That meant they were going to come after me, you and me. Yep. Uh, they were going to, um, you know, they had all these massive green energy programs that would have been incredibly expensive and unproductive. Uh, drill of uh, a $3 trillion new uh, debt hole into our budget. Incidentally, if, if I say this a lot, but if, if, the members of Congress were private sector CEOs, and they did their bookkeeping and accounting the way Congress does it. We would throw every member of Congress in jail. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a fraud, mm-hmm. a financial fraud that goes on in this country in Washington is unbelievable. So when, that's why I laugh when I told you, you know, Biden says the bill is all paid for. It wasn't paid for. No. They used they use 10 years of revenue to pay for five years of spending. There Gee, what is. a trick. Yeah. Um, so, it, so, you know, look, I, I think. Biden, I'm hoping that he can move back to a more sensible middle because he has been governing like, you know, he's Bernie Sanders. And it is still true, isn't it? I mean, that 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 the causes, the chief causes of inflation have to do with just the fact that we are spending way too much. And boy, we don't have the supply. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big, it's not the only factor stop, but okay. it's a big factor. It's, it's flaming, you know, it is fueling the flames of the inflation. The Fed also deserves a lot of blame because yep. they've been behind the curve in terms of dealing with um, keeping the dollar stable. And so, um, you know, the worst thing we could do right now would be to spend, you know, that's why I was so disturbed by that um, press conference. Joe Biden had the other day where he said, you know, the way to solve all these problems is to pass my bill, right. better bill. Right. Does he really think? What a guy I've always loved, you know, and I was close to him. I worked with him for a while. Was Herman Cain? Uh, Remember Herman? Yeah, very well. Yeah, yeah. In his latest last book before he died, he, you know, he very regrettably died from COVID about a year ago. But his latest last book before he died was called "They Think We're Stupid." Yeah, and I love that book because that's that's true. When I hear Joe Biden say, "Pass my bill," we're going to put five trillion dollars more free money into the economy, and it's going to make inflation go down. I'm like, do they really think we're that stupid, stuff? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know if they think we're stupid or not, but I think that they do want to redefine certain terms. Right. So right. they th- th- that's that's kind of how it works for them. I think their idea of progress and their idea of better 
is, in fact, listen, Bernie Sanders said the quiet part out loud. He said standing in lines for bread is a good thing, right? (laughs) The guy did take his honeymoon in last Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. But, you know, it's really, I'd put it slightly differently. I mean, they just, they really do believe government is the solution to everything. Mm -hmm. You can't pay your rent, that's okay, we got this program, the government will pay your rent. You can't pay your student loan, we'll pay your student loan. You know, you can't you can't put it up to the Here's food stamps. It's, it's even the New York Times about two months ago. Their headline was Biden proposes cradle to grave cradle to grave government. Cradle to grave government. And I suppose once you have disincentivized individual work ethics, and by the way, the leftist project took away work from millions of Americans for going on about a year and a half, right? Once you take away the individual work ethic, the need to work, the virtue of work. Where else do you go? You get the injection from the government, and that needle's awfully hard to get out of the arm. Yeah, and uh, it's you know you work for Bill Bennett. It's all it's like crack cocaine. Yeah, you know you become addicted to government, and you know it's a a hard addiction to kick. Just to clarify, I work for Bill Bennett not because he was in favor of crack cocaine, but because he led the campaign against it. Yes, just so. Yeah. Not in favor of big government. Yes, exactly. I exactly. I mean, the point is, you know, and, I, and sometimes people always ask me this time, are they doing this on purpose? Are they trying to make people dependent on government? Yes, and is I my used answer. To say no, yeah, but it is. now I'm not so sure. It's, it's evident uh, in any analysis that one undertakes, and, and in their more honest moments, they will say as much. Well, gosh, Steve, it's so good to connect with you actually physically hey, man, in are town. You 20 minutes is up already? Well, if you have a <laughs> final thought, I'll, I'll get you. Do you like being a radio host uh, or, or, oh, no, or on no, the no. other side? What side of the mic do you prefer? I, I, it's so much fun. I, you know, I do a show at, on WABC in New York yeah. from one o'clock to two o'clock. On, on Saturday. I have the most fun, and you know, it's just it's fun. I, you love it too, right? Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. So I'll let you take us out. Get to, what, what, what's your closing thoughts for Arizonans as you uh, head back to the swamp? Uh, make Arizona great again. There you go. There you go. I love it. <laughs> it is already great, right? <laughs> it, it, it make it better. <laughs> make it better. Greater. Greater again. Steve Moore, gosh, you are a treasure. You are a friend. And we look to you for so much. And we are so delighted that you are on the Karen Robeson team as you are on our team, as you were on Trump's team. Well, I'll be coming back a lot to Arizona in the great. months ahead. So I, every time I come, I'm going to come on. Come in show. studio. Do an hour with me. Take calls. It'll be a lot of fun. Okay, you got it. You betcha. And, and, and we'll show you what a real radio station is like, not like these fly-by-night <laughs> outfits in New York. Yeah, okay, all right. God bless you, Steve. Be well. Karen for Arizona.com, K-A-R-R-I-N for Arizona.com is her website. Steve Moore, Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Yes, if you don't get his uh, daily email, you're missing out, and it is truly free. Not Biden-free, free. We're for not modifying things, not social justice, justice, not Biden free, free. We'll be right back. Yeah, tears for passing things, uh, part of our youth, a part of our, I don't know, a couple of decades ago with the passing of um, Meatloaf. I've seen him twice in concert. It's interesting. I guess I've spoken enough or used enough of his music here that a bunch of listeners emailed me uh, the news of his passing. Thank you all for doing that. 
Uh, and I'll say a little bit more ma- about him later. Um, he wasn't just another rock musician. Uh, there was something very different about him and uh, something very much appropriate that his uh, that the album from which that song comes from, Bad Out of Hell, is one of the top ten selling albums still to this day, uh, even though it came out in 1977. A collaboration, one of the great collaborations. People talk about great musical collaborations, and you can think of them uh, any number of examples, but his co- his his collaborations with Jim Steinman uh, were uh, obviously um, just tremendous. Steinman was a tremendous uh, writer in his own right, uh, doing work for Celine Dion, Barry Manilow, and others. I didn't realize Jim Steinman had passed away last year. Somehow I missed that. Uh, and um, I'll say more about Meatloaf. One of the things I it's just ugly. Uh, you know, Meatloaf was uh, here and there a man of the right. Uh, he wasn't known much to be political, but he did perform at uh, conservative or Republican uh, Party events. And when asked his political opinion, not that he had any tremendously great insight. It's not like you know he was uh, a scholar at uh, at uh, the Hudson Institute or or or, the, or, or anything. But but people seem to like to have celebrities' opinions on their side from time to time. He was one of the few. Uh, 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 Republican rockers who was not afraid to say so, and he did events for I think almost every Republican candidate that ran for president uh, since the since the nineteen eighties, and so thus on COVID, uh, he uh, also was uh, anti uh, vaccine mandate and didn't, as best we can tell and best we can divine, uh, take the vaccine himself, dying uh, at the age of seventy four. With COVID, a man of obvious many comorbidities, nothing he would uh, shrink from, much of which he used uh, as part of his performance. Uh, But if you uh, read some of the social media and the homicidal fantasy uh, about Meatloaf's death, the good riddance uh, to the science denier, uh, he was a pandemic, a, you know what, a, can I do the A-H-O-L-E? you get the point. This is all over social media uh, from uh, the COVID f- uh, and vaccine fanatics. And uh, listen, I-, I just think you guys are disgusting. I, I think to blame someone someone for their own death from a virus that, you know, you want to put blame on you want to put blame. You want to put blame on who brought us this. You want to put blame on who brought this to us. Look to where you're going for the Olympics. Look to the place it started, the place that covered it up, the place that let it spread everywhere else but in their own country, the place that destroyed records, the place that thwarted investigators, and the place that is still lying to you about it. Look to communist China. Will anyone who's denouncing meatloaf or making fun of his death, what kind of civil society, those social justice warriors, if your definition of social justice is taking relief and making sport of those who die from a virus? If that's your definition of social justice, then you are simply corrupt, not only in the English language, but in your morals, in your morals. The vaccine, yes, yes, I agree. The vaccine does help mitigate symptoms. 
It's become a therapeutic. The CDC changed its definition to make it a therapeutic. They did so overnight in the cover of darkness, not making a press release about it, changing the definition of what a vaccine means on their website. But do not tell me that it keeps you from dying. Breakthrough deaths were being counted by the CDC and being published by the CDC. That is to say deaths from or with COVID while people were fully vaccinated. When it got up to 20,000 in November, they took the data down. Who's covering up and who's lying to you? They took the data down. It was not true that you wouldn't go to the hospital with a vaccine, as Joe Biden said, and it wasn't true it would keep you from dying. It helped. It wasn't a guarantee. By the way, speaking about which movement, which side you want to be on in these debates, we've had it a little better in Arizona, so a little better. I mean, my gosh, I get the stories all the time. We've had the parents on. We've had some students on about some of the tyrannical efforts being used uh, to make uh, make our politics play out on the on the schoolyards of our children. But those of you whose view of decency is to make fun of the death of, say, Meatloaf, as you did with the death of Herman Cain, as you wished death on Donald Trump when he uh, 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 attracted COVID. And we have all the social media, all the Twitter feeds. I've done monologues on it. I have all you, you're, you're all saying the very same thing. I think it's it's sick and it's homicidal fantasy, homicidal ideation. But I'll tell you, you have a lot to answer for you who are engaged in that. You don't see this put together very much. Spectatorworld.com. A woman was a, the, the, the spectator. A woman was arrested earlier this month after she put her 13-year-old son in the trunk of her car to avoid exposure to COVID while she drove him to a testing site. A week later, a mother tweeted a photo of her son's badly injured ankle, claiming it wasn't safe to seek treatment outside the home for fear of the Omicron variant. Another mom kept her 15-year-old daughter home for remote learning all of 2021, even as the girl became depressed, ravaged with anxiety, and suffered unhealthy weight loss, all in the name of protection from a virus not likely to affect any of these children, (coughs) excuse me, in any significant way. Child endangerment is now apparently an acceptable aspect of parenting if performed in the name of safety. The woman who put her son in the trunk will not be charged. The one who kept her son from medical treatment won't be bothered. The mother of the depressed teenager will be applauded for the care and safety she provided. In two years since the pandemic started, schools, parents, and governments have sacrificed the well-being of children for the protection of panicked adults. Understand that. Understand that. In a myriad of disturbing ways. You've heard me speak of the French philosopher who is often quoted saying every revolution ends up eating itself. The full quote is like Saturn, every revolution ends up eating itself. Why Saturn? The God who ate children. Why did he eat his own children? He was afraid of them. He was afraid of them. The society that is afraid of its children is a society of a children of the corn. It's a society of a Stephen King novel. It's a sick society. 
It's particularly hard to justify this one. The Ronald McDonald House in Vancouver, Canada, is soon to evict all unvaccinated patients and visitors over five years old and up, including cancer patients. The reason for their existence in Massachusetts, police dogs have recently been employed to sniff out covid inside schools in order to locate the diseased children. At another school, a woman said her daughter got detention after being caught with her mask pulled to her chin in the bathroom. No breaks allowed for the mask mafia. What warrants these extreme actions for children, the least likely to be harmed from this virus at first? Precautions were sensible. We didn't know a lot. When COVID hit, we weren't sure how children would be affected. It was quickly discovered, however, that children were blessedly and largely unaffected. Not only were they less likely to get or transmit the virus, but it manifested as a light cold or without symptoms when they did. As of 2022, the hospitalization rate for children with COVID is as low as one tenth of one percent. At the same time, we learned that demographics most affected by the virus were fairly specific. Elderly, obese, immunocompromised individuals with secondary conditions like cancer and diabetes, with risks increasing more significantly after the age of 50, and obese individuals being three times as likely to be hospitalized with COVID. Clearly, most kids just aren't going to fit in this category. And yet the most naturally incubated citizens in our society haven't had a voice. Schools canceled, faces shielded, communities shuttered. In Illinois, do I have time for this? In Illinois, here's a young girl speaking to her school board. God bless her. Let's see if I can get this audio. That our own mental health is much less important than making triple vaccinated adults feel safe. Thank you for teaching me that even the most minute risk is not worth taking. Life is best when you take the path of least resistance with no chance of failure and definitely no chance of catching a cold. Thank you for not reaching out to the students to ask how we feel about masks, because if you did, the majority of students would say that they hate masks and then you might second guess your decision to make us wear them. Thank you for allowing me to experience the anxiety associated with never seeing facial expressions. Thank you for teaching us that we should never question authority or think critically, but instead we should follow whatever the people in charge tell us to do. Obedience is best. I realize now that thinking for yourself is overrated and not really necessary when you can just make decisions based on fear. Thank you for pushing your irrational fears and anxieties on me because I didn't already have enough to worry about. I realize now how easy I had it when I only had to worry about my classes, my grades, SAT, and getting into college. Thank you for teaching me that being a morally superior person only requires that I cover my face for eight hours a day and that the most morally superior people wear two masks or even three masks. As you know, states around us, Indiana, Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan, and Minnesota which have two and a half times more students than Illinois, don't force, cats, don't force kids to wear to masks. I'm with you, though. These states are out of control, recklessly putting kids at risk of misery and death every day. Masks work, even if these states have the same outcomes as Illinois. <laughs> Speaking of data, thank you for staying silent without mask, about masking, despite the fact that COVID has a very high survival rate in kids my age. Who needs data anyway, though? We all know that it will never be safe to see anyone's face ever again. 
Yeah, we have in fact, God bless her, you know, and that that child should win an award. Think about how courageous that must have been to address a school board at that age. Anyone ever at the age of 15 have to talk to a panel of adults like that in a crowded room? Good for her. And God bless her. Yeah. What lesson are we teaching the children? She's right. We used to teach them to go their own way. Think for themselves. We used to give them books about people who stood out from the crowd. Profiles and Courage, John F. Kennedy wrote, and that used to be assigned reading. I'll tell you what should be assigned reading these days. Kurt Vonnegut's short story. It's very short, so short, I worked it into a monologue once or twice here. Kurt Vonnegut's short story, Harrison Bergeron. You can have a society based on fear and based on fear of children. Oh, yes, you can have that. It just won't be a very good society. In fact, it'll be a terrible one. As Hannah Arendt warned years ago, have we now come to the point where it is the children who are being asked to change or improve the world? And do we intend to have our political battles fought out in the schoolyards? To the left, you bet, because there is no yard, school or otherwise, that is immune from their efforts to change not only this country, but first its culture. You know, um, we we often say here, and a lot of you know the expression uh, that politics is downstream from culture, and you uh, attribute it to um, Andrew Breitbart, rightly so. Uh, before Andrew uh, came up with that construction, uh, po- a famous political scientist who became a famous U.N. ambassador, who became a famous U.S. senator, Daniel Pat- Patrick Moynihan, said that the essential truth is that culture is more important than politics. And to change a polity, you have to change its culture. So we know this intuitively, or at least we say it. And yet, you know, we see these little stories that just come and go, and a lot of people will dismiss them as laughable, uh, as risible, as not serious – uh, those that uh, focus on them or say too much about them are denounced as blue noses. I just saw a story go by quickly. I haven't delved too deeply into it. Uh, that uh, <laughs> of all things, M and M's is now going woke, and I, I don't know what it all entails. Uh, Bill, you're nodding your head. I don't know if you know what it all entails, but I assume it'll have to do with gender issues and uh, race issues. And uh, I'm going to guess that each M and M color will represent. In any event. Before you laugh and dismiss these things uh, too quickly, understand that we're not the only ones who understand or pay lip service to the notion that culture is more important than politics or politics is downstream from culture. This is how you do change a society bit by bit, little by little. Um, it started it, 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 it started with television ads. You have seen it in companies from Coca-Cola to Nike. It is full of hypocrisy, by the way. The Nike thing itself drives me angry to no end. I'll tell you something, a little secret about how great a patriot my producer Bill is. He cut the swoosh out of every Nike article of clothing he had bought in the past and will not buy another one. Um, Good for him. Why do I say good for him? Why do I say this is important and hypocritical from the left? I'll tell you why it's hypocritical. 
Nike pays Colin Kaepernick millions of dollars a year to be their spokesman while their products are resultant from slave labor in China, while Colin Kaepernick's main claim to fame is bringing attention to the slavery that existed in this country and ended over 150 years ago. Meanwhile, turning a blind eye and a deaf ear, but an open wallet, you bet, and an open bank account, you bet. On profits derived from people working in concentration camps under slave labor conditions based on their ethnicity, not 150 years ago, but right now. Pay attention to these things, folks, and don't ever, ever think that the progressives have the moral high ground. They have the low ground, and it ain't even anything close to using the word moral. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.